Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to anxiety, OCD, treatment, and trying to get your life back. Uh, my name is Kevin Foss. I'm the host of this. I am a uh, licensed therapist in, uh, here in California specializing in uh, anxiety and uh, OCD treatment. So before we get into this episode, I really just want to thank everybody who came out to the uh, SoCal OCD conference this past weekend. Uh, it was a fantastic conference uh, this year. Uh, it, it's uh, every time I've gone, it's a fantastic conference. But uh, but this year it was uh, it was the largest conference that they've ever had. Uh, so they had the the biggest turnout. We actually had to uh, get a larger room to accommodate everybody. Um, and if, if you've never gone to that conference, what's fantastic about it and what differs slightly from the national conference um, is that um, at the national conference they have you know they have a gazillion different talks by a gazillion different people um, but there um, they give the talk once so if you miss it tough um, at, at this one they give the talks twice so you get to choose which one you're going to go to and if you if you want to go to two you don't have to uh, decide which one uh, you're going to have to sacrifice you get to go to both um, and that's great for the uh, presenters as well. Uh, I presented this this uh, year, and uh, what I really like about it is that um, that first time you do it, I mean, you've you've planned, you've thought about it, you've worked with your uh, your, your partners on this, um, you put your slideshow together and done the whole thing. <clears throat> but this time, uh, that that first time that you do the talk, it's not it's not the final one that you're going to do. So. Uh, you you kind of work out the kinks of it. You realize where things are kind of going a little weird. And then the second time, it gets to be great. So that was at least my experience this year. And uh, and luckily, they actually uh, video recorded uh, a number of them. I, I don't know how many they recorded, but I do know they recorded the talk that I gave. Um, and I presented with uh, a colleague of mine, uh, Dr. Uh, Martin Shaw. Uh, a great uh, psychologist also here in Southern California. Um, and uh, I think they're going to then post those talks uh, to their website at some point, and you can download and stream all those talks if you want to. Uh, once those become available, I will post a, a link to those on the website. I'll probably post that to Instagram as well. Uh, so uh, so if you had to miss the conference or if you'd like to see what a talk at a conference uh, looks like, uh, you can go and check those out. I also want to thank all uh, uh, everybody who came up and said hi at the conference. Uh, it was great to see everybody there. I saw uh, a number of my uh, uh, clients or old clients there. So hi, if you happen to be listening. But um, it was uh, ultimately I had a lot of fun. So for this episode, I'm going to be going over a listener question, and this is a, a question from someone who had uh, previously listened to the HOCD episode, which is uh, episode 12, if you're interested in uh, going back and listening to that one. Um, so they have some questions about uh, HOCD in, in terms of their experience. Um, now, by the way, if, if you if you have follow-up questions to a previous podcast, you can always uh, send those questions in, uh, in terms of um, sending in responses to them if you want to add something to them, uh, add some information that perhaps the uh, uh, I missed and perhaps the the, the writer um, w- would love to hear that or they think it would be beneficial. Um, I'm happy to add those. Because also, each one of the experiences that, that folks have when they s- submit a question, that's just one person's experience, though that person may share those experiences with other folks around the world who have had or who are having some anxiety or OCD issues. Um, and if you feel that... Um, and by you sharing your experience, you will likely be helping someone else literally on the other side of the world. All right, so this question comes from Robert W. 
He writes, Hi, Kevin. I just listened to the HOCD episode and it was great. I'm currently in therapy dealing with my own HOCD and making some progress, but finding it difficult to break that vicious cycle with certain things. My father came out as gay and divorced my mother when I was 15, so naturally I have a lot of fear and anxiety towards the loss and hurt which that situation caused. And I also, despite historically being attracted to women and having been in a relationship with my girlfriend for five years have the HOCD about being gay and having to do the same thing as my father. I was also aware of a degree of same-sex attraction myself from my early teenage years, so I suppose I acknowledge my sexuality as being on a spectrum. But like I said, historically I've always sought relationships with women and been in love with many over the years. The main couple of problems I'm finding are not defining groinal sensations as arousal, have made some progress with this, but it's a very well-rehearsed habit. He then goes on to say, also, that when I watch gay pornography, either as a checking compulsion or because I actually want to, I find that to be extremely distressing, especially because it appears that my arousal is much stronger both than it was ever before HOCD resurfaced in August, and also than when I watch pornography with women in it. The climax seems to happen much faster, too. And this absolutely terrifies and distresses me because it seems to be proof that I'm much more strongly attracted to sex with men. But again, this wasn't the case for the four and a half happy years before August when my HSCD resurfaced. Any advice you have for dealing with this would be wonderful. And I do acknowledge that there's a degree of reassurance seeking with even asking this question, but I figured it may help both me going forward and also someone else struggling with this issue. Thanks a lot for reading my question. All right, Robert. Well, thank you so much for this question. Uh, It's a great question. There's a lot of stuff in there, um, and um, you are absolutely right. It's very, very possible that there is some uh, some reassurance seeking in this. Now, by the way, if you have asked this question to your therapist or you've asked this question to other people and this is something that you are asking and trying to look up and trying to research uh, answers to these questions from a number of different sources, um, and and you, if you're honest with yourself, you know that if this is something that has uh, that, that, that you've been trying to actively seek out, if that's the case, stop listening to this episode. Turn it off and accept that maybe you'll never know, because you might not know. Maybe you're going to have to deal with the anxiety that that you're going to go the rest of your life and never get an answer to how you uh, uh, how to deal with groinal sensations and uh, uh, and that that you don't know what's going to happen with uh, uh, with this uh, with your your sexuality and your relationship and your family and all that stuff, um, and sit with that discomfort. Um, now, if this is something that you haven't asked a, a number of places, um, I, I know that. I also know that this uh, whole podcast can also be very reassurance-seeking uh, to a, a lot of people. So um, I, I am also sitting with that discomfort that I'm making all of you out there just just worse and worse and reinforcing um, reassurance-seeking. Um, I just got to sit with that, so I will. So I'm going to progress for those of you who haven't been asking these questions. So, Robert, you also 
So, Robert, you also mentioned that you've been working with a therapist on some of these things. So, what I what I also want you to do is to uh, so for anything that I'm going to say, I or anything that I'm going to advise you to do, uh, I want you to go and talk about this with your therapist um, because it's possible that I'm going to make a suggestion or I'm going to mention something that's going to go uh, against what you two have been working on, or uh, there have been some details in your uh, in your therapy that uh, that what I'm going to recommend is actually going to be going counter to what you guys are trying to do, or there are going to be some details that uh, are going to make everything I'm going to say completely invalid for your experience. But uh, it may still apply to somebody else's experience. So here we go. So HSCD can just be devastating and so frustrating for for people who are experiencing it. Um, it, 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 it seems that, um, that HSCD just goes so personal to so many people it's it's uh it's often because i my my feeling is is that we feel our sexuality is just so core to who it is that we are it's everything that we are in some cases uh it's 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 how we view ourselves and categorize ourselves from a time that we're we're very very little and um and to a certain degree it's also reinforced in in uh, in in i'm also certainly american culture um that sexuality is incredibly important and uh, who you are attracted to and how you are attracted to them um, is 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 in fact central to who you are, what you're about, what you are, uh, what you should and shouldn't be interested in, the types of things that you do or don't do. Um, there's a lot of expectation for it, so there's a lot of fear. Then, if uh, if you have lived your life as one something, and the possibility that maybe because of a new revelation or a subtle change or a drastic change in your life that you now have to live seemingly completely opposite to that. Um, now, there are a lot of, of uh, there's a lot of misinformation in that. There's just a lot of falsities in some of this. So, um, so a lot of that ought to be challenged with your therapist. Um, kind of this idea that uh, you know be, being gay is the opposite of being straight, and that you are you're completely different, and that nothing is the same. Um, there there doesn't have to be everything in your life that change. If you were to come out, yeah, some things would change, but it would likely not be the most catastrophic thing that your brain is giving you. Now to that point. What I encourage everybody to think about when they're getting into treatment or they're in treatment uh, is to think about what their feared story is. Now, we've talked about what OCD is and the anxiety in general um, that follows that anxiety cycle. Typically, how it works is that we have, you know, triggering thoughts, we have triggering situations and relationships that that are all neutral, and sometimes they feed into these various specific thoughts that we have and these stories that go through our mind, uh, and it's usually this "what if" or "if then" sort of uh, proposition, this sort of a, a formula our brain gives us, and it's the story that tells us something about what's going to happen to us, for us, about us, uh, presently, in the future, to other people. And we generally don't like that story, that outcome of that story. So, from that, obviously you and I would rather feel good than bad, so we're going to try to do something to make sure that we feel good again, which is going to be that compulsion. Now, again, this can be, you know, fear of heights. Uh, if I go up on a mountain, I'm going to fall off and die. Well, I don't want to fall off and die, so I'm not going to go up on that mountain. That's avoidance. Um, I am only going to go up provided I, you know, have a helmet and, I, I don't know, a parachute. I mean, that can be reassurance-seeking and a, a little bit crazy. But we're going to do something to make sure that we feel 
better or that the very uh, or that that to make sure that, that story that our brain tells us is never going to happen um i would encourage you to consider what your if then or or uh, what if question is in treatment now why this is important is that it's going to help guide what your exposures are going to be and it's going to help you in challenging the legitimacy of that thought or the legitimacy of the outcome of that thought so just two that it could be from what you wrote here is are are you actually afraid that uh, whether or not you're actually gay or that you're more gay than straight because that can be an obsession in and of itself some folks are just again you know worried that if they are gay if they identify as straight but they're worried that they're going to quote become gay then um then their whole life is going to change, and then uh, they ha- they have to have all new friends, and they for some reason have to move to West Hollywood or San Francisco. Uh, they have to go to gay bars all the time. Uh, they have to love Ellen DeGeneres. It, all these ridiculous thoughts um, and worries about what it means then because now quote they're gay. Now is it that or is it? a combination of or independently that you are then going to turn into your father and that you are going to relive this story and that that your father's story is going to be your story. And is it that if you are in fact gay, if these thoughts about you are in fact true, well then obviously it means that you're going to completely destroy your family. You're going to have to leave your your girlfriend or potentially wife and child at the time and it, you com- be completely disruptive uh, as, as your father's experience was. Now, in reading that, it sounds like it was incredibly disruptive to everything and and sounds awful. But in therapy or in your treatment, you can start to challenge the legitimacy of that story, whether or not it's likely to happen, if it's in fact going to happen, stuff like that. But that that's part of the cognitive restructuring piece that uh, that if you go back to the uh, HSCD episode, I talk a little bit more about how that's done. But if you are working with a CBT therapist, uh, they will know what's going on with that. And if you're well past that and if you're using that as compulsions, uh, don't do it because it's going to be unhelpful to you. So the two goals that you mentioned uh, in your question were um, having struggle or ha- having problems with not defining your groinal sensations as arousal, which is which is very common. And the other was obsessing about whether or not you're more attracted to men than women uh, based on watching gay porn versus uh, straight porn. So, so briefly for anybody who, if this is your first episode, if this is your first episode, I'm really going to encourage you to go back to episode 12 to listen uh, about what HOCD is, how it works, and what we can do about it. Um, but uh, very briefly for uh, for the noobs out there, um, groinal sensations are uh, the, the term that we commonly use for the attention that we that uh, we pay to our groinal area, um, and uh, any sort of tingling or twitching or moving or, or, or pressure or anything that we feel down there um, is uh, uh, misinterpreted as, uh, as sexual arousal uh, and is uh, interpreted as sexual arousal to whatever it is that we're thinking about, whatever it is that we're around, and, uh, and oftentimes in OCD land, it's going to be specified to one's fear. So, uh, if there is uh, any attention uh, uh, paid either intentionally or unintentionally to one's groin when you're around children, if you have POCD, it's going to be interpreted that you are attracted to children. If it's HOCD, you're going to be fearing that you are all of a sudden turned on by men. If there's any man in the room or any man in the area, you're going to be all of a sudden worried that that's exactly what that means. So, uh, Robert, you acknowledge that you're making progress. Um, I mean, certainly we would be great to hear what specifically that progress is, what you're doing to make in progress, um, and uh, and how it's been helping. But um, obviously, you're not here in this room, so um, I can't ask those questions. 
to anybody out there who's experiencing groinal sensations, um, it's, it's understandable why we would call groinal sensations arousal. Oftentimes, when we are sexually aroused, we do notice a change in our groin. So, it's easy to understand why our brain makes that leap. But as you're noticing, it's not always the case. One thing to notice about groinal sensations, and as is any other sensation that we experience, is that we are experiencing, our brain is taking in sensations all the time. But our brain just can't focus on all those sensations all at once. That would take up way too much attention and it would be incredibly overwhelming to take in the fullness of what our body is taking in all the time. Uh, it would just be exhausting uh, uh, to us. Um, but uh, but periodically, you can kind of think about the, that our brain is taking in everything all at once, but it has a very small uh, window of things that it can kind of focus on. You can kind of view it as if you had a um, like a like a paper towel tube or a, like a gift wrap tube, the the inner thing, uh, and you put it up to your eyeball and you start moving moving it around the room. You'll start to notice just very specific things at the end uh, of that tube. Now, if you take it away from your eyes, you're going to take in a heck of a lot more information. Uh, and you're going to be able to see everything. Like I'm seeing everything on my desk. I see my computer. I see my microphone. I see a lamp. I see books. I see uh, uh, some of my kids' chewing toys. Um, so we see a whole bunch of things. But when we put that tube up to our eye, we're just seeing one thing at a time. Now, our, our brain kind of does this. And it, you can kind of think about that it, it's periodically just scanning your body and, and, and from time to time, if it notices something odd or out of place, or if it just finds it fun, it will bring it to your attention and say, hey, Robert, uh, why don't you notice uh, your, your scalp right now? Hey, Robert, we notice that tingling in your toes right now. And sometimes it's going to say, hey, Robert, notice you're growing. Now, sometimes our attention is just sucked to one of those places because we all of a sudden feel a pain or a pressure or, or some sort of something that, that, that will draw its attention to a specific place. Now, you and I can also intentionally bring our attention over to one of our body parts. Like, for example, everybody who's listening, I want you to start thinking about your feet. And just think about what those feel like. You might be noticing some sensations. You might be noticing the shoes on your feet. You might be noticing the tightness. They're hot. They're cold. They're tingly. You're going to notice stuff about it, right? Now, sometimes when we do that, all of a sudden, we're going to notice other parts of our body. And that's all fine. An exercise that we can practice with this in terms of how to accept that our body feels all these experiences while resisting calling it something is is, is to enact some mindfulness and kind of through a meditative process, you can close your eyes, set a timer for set a timer for a minute. Sometimes a minute is all we can handle. Uh, but you can work your way up to however long that you would like to. But we can start with just a minute, close our eyes and just be open to what we our body is experiencing. Just open our attention to it. Now again, this can be really hard for a lot of folks. It can be hard to just shut down the mental uh, chatter that's going on. But when we start to get distracted by that chatter, just gently bring ourselves back to what it is that we're experiencing and just point out to yourself, oh yeah, I'm feeling, feeling this in my toes. Okay, I'm feeling that. Oh, I'm feeling this sensation in my arm. Okay, there's that. I'm feeling the tension in my shoulders right now. I'm feeling that right now. 
Now, as we do this, we can also resist the urge, but acknowledge if we have this urge to call it something, to define it as either good or bad, um, or to uh, to try to get our attention away from it. Sometimes we then get sucked into that that same mental argument about about why we're having it, what it means that we're having it, what we should do about it. Now, you've reinforced that process over a whole lot of compulsions and over four and a half years, as you said. So. You sh- it should be understandable that this thought is going to be there. It would be surprising if it wasn't there, right? So, accept that this, f- for a period of time, is going to be one of your thoughts. But you can practice this effort, um, or practice this practice, of closing your eyes and accepting and acknowledging just where your attention goes all over your body. Now, if it goes to your groin, okay, remember, that's just part of your body. It's a part of your body that is going to take in a lot of sensations. There's a lot of nerve endings in that area. So, it's going to be noticing what's going on down there. So, when your attention then goes towards defining it as something, resist that urge. Thank your brain for giving you that, uh, that, that thought. And then just say, it's my coronal sensation. Of course, it's there. What else is there? If you have an exercise that you're finding is really helpful in treatment, uh, send me a follow-up email. I think a a, a lot of folks out there would find that uh, helpful or interesting uh, in their progress. Um, But if there's a specific tool that that you like, send it it to me. Uh, Go again to Fearcast Podcast and uh, go to the Submit a Question. It'll email directly to me, and uh, I'll be happy to share it uh, as a follow-up to this. All right, so the other part of your question is that you're obsessing about whether or not you're more attracted to men than women based on your uh, gay porn versus straight porn intake. So, one thing that if you are sitting in my office, one thing that I would encourage you to do is really to apply some, some mindful awareness about your porn intake. Meaning, when you feel the urge to look at gay porn, I really want you to take just, just a second and think about whether or not this is in fact compulsive. What do you think about whether or not this is compulsive or a genuine desire to look at it? Now, if if it is confusing, if there's any doubt as to whether or not it is compulsive, treat it as if it's compulsive and just say, you know, for right now, I'm just not going to. And resist that urge and look at something else or use the wonderful imagination that we have, whatever the case may be. But, but really ask yourself whether or not you're using this to check or if you really want to. Now, I wouldn't spend more than three seconds on this evaluation. And if you slip up from time to time, as we're all going to slip up, don't beat yourself up. Just remind yourself there's always next time, and next time you can apply this same tool. Question just for a moment, is this compulsive? And you know what that compulsion drive feels like. So if it starts to feel like you're going in that direction, acknowledge that feeling, and then gently shift your attention elsewhere and find something else to do. So, you also say in your question that you were obsessing about that, that this wasn't an issue prior to four and a half years ago when the HOCD had, uh, uh, prior to when the OCD had, had resurfaced. So, I, I again, I'm going to refer you back to that if-then sort of evaluation. So, in other words, um, what does it mean that now it's back? The, it, it's, it's that so what? What's that story that your brain's telling you? You did say it terrifies you, um, but again, does it mean that you're does it mean that you're actually gay and that uh, and that your whole life has to change? You have to break up with your girlfriend, or does it mean that uh, that you're slowly becoming your dad, or that you're going to become your dad and just completely blow up your family? Because that'll be part of that stuff that you can acknowledge in when you start to get to exposures. 
But so far, all we really know is that something is happening. We, we do know just in your observation that for right now, you are more aroused or more turned on by the gay porn you're watching. And by that, you mean you, you just, you just uh, uh, come to climax faster. Well, that's an observation. It could mean any number of things. But when you start to notice this thought, when you start to notice that story going through your mind, um, you can acknowledge that that thought is going through your mind and that that story uh, isn't quite here yet. That story isn't a guarantee. It's just one of the things that could happen. Yes, it, it could happen, but it's not a guarantee. And all we know right now is that in that moment, if you had, again, electively chosen to watch gay porn, because that's something that you were really into at that, in that moment, and not using it as compulsion, um, that you happen to orgasm faster. Great. Congratulations. That was great for you. Wonderful. But the story outside of that might be and is likely OCD related, because it doesn't just have one singular outcome to, to that. You, and, and I'd encourage you to resist applying this judgment to it. It's neither good nor bad. Um, it could be anything. I mean, it could mean, yes, it could mean that you're attracted to men in part, um, but that, that's, that's what gets your gears going. It could mean uh, that you're going to come out and you're going to destroy your whole family. It could mean that you're going to come out as bisexual and nothing happens. You just continue to have your life and you just identify as bisexual. It could mean that you completely flip and you realize that you're fully gay and nothing happens to your family. It could mean that your girlfriend catches you and that nothing happens, but you to incorporate this into your sex life and that you have your interest in men and that she knows about it and you to incorporate this somehow into your sex life um, and you have a happily ever after sex life together in a completely heterosexual relationship. I have no idea but neither do you. But again, when you start to feel that urge to watch gay porn and you, and you, and you decide that it is, in fact, a, a compulsive urge, I want you to resist that. But, uh, but then I want you to just sit in that anxiety that, that maybe your biggest fear is true. And whatever that if-then story that your brain's giving you is, in fact, true and is, in fact, going to happen. Sit with that discomfort of that thought. Notice all the stuff that your brain is trodden out in front of you. And and acknowledge that that stuff is really uncomfortable. And you don't like those thoughts. You don't have to like those thoughts. We do have to acknowledge that those are in your mind, in that moment, but that they're nothing to be afraid of, at least in this moment, because we don't know if it's going to happen. But we can work to tolerate that, in fact, we have this thought. You are having this thought. To other listeners, you might be having this thought. But so far, they're just thoughts, and you're terrified of them. But we can get used to just the fact that they're in your mind. You can also acknowledge to yourself that I don't know if this is true, but ultimately I don't need to know if this is true. We don't need to know, you, Robert, don't need to know what your fully true sexuality is or what it's going to be for the rest of your life in order to have a fully meaningful life. You can have a completely fine relationship with your girlfriend for the rest of your life, if that's something you want to do, and have attractions towards men. They aren't mutually exclusive. Another key piece about this goes back to our values and what we find important. So, because you don't identify them here in your email, but that, that's totally fine. But as we've been talking about on this podcast, your goal is to be living a values-based lifestyle, to be living in a way that you find important 
and meaningful and worthwhile. And I don't know what that is for you. And this is something then to kind of work on with your therapist or kind of talk through. Um, But to start thinking about what sort of things you do find important. So, you don't mention that whether or not you do, in fact, want to be in a monogamous relationship for your life. I I, I can assume based on kind of your, your conversation there, but if you're not interested in monogamy, then there are more doors open for you. If you are, there is more of that threat there. Are you someone who believes that you have to follow every single one of your attractions or every single one of your inklings? Are you wanting an open relationship? Are you open to that? I have no idea. But there, these are some things to work out with your therapist because it's also going to help to define what you what you can do and and ultimately what you want to do in your, in your life. And it's going to help to define what you want to do in relation to some of these thoughts. As two other exposures that you can do, uh, uh, if you haven't done scripting yet, I'd encourage you to do it. It's a story where you write out your worst fear actually happening. So again, it goes back to what your feared story is, but I then want you to sit down and write out a story in which what your biggest fear actually happens, and that it does, and that your life is ruined, or that your relationship is ruined, or that your your uh, character is now ruined, or that or that you have a horrible, terrible, n- no good, no fun life because you're now gay, or that you never know what your sexuality is, but you're you're totally controlled by this thought that you don't know if you're gay. I, I don't know what that feared story is, but you can write that out, and again, we reread and reread and read until that story becomes. Boring, um, and until that thought is something that you and I can just have. While again, we don't have to be completely comfortable with it, but we can tolerate that thought and resist compulsive behavior. I was asked this question at the OCD conference this past weekend about what is the ultimate goal in therapy. This is a choose your own adventure. So whatever it is that you define as your goal uh, or as the goal for you is uh, what your goal is. But my goal for, for OCD treatment would ultimately be that you would live your life as if you don't have OCD. Meaning that uh, that you have thoughts, but um, you acknowledge that they're there. They might make you feel uncomfortable, as sometimes we do feel uncomfortable. But that you you would resist compulsive behavior. You would engage in thoughts. You'd engage in, engage in actions or relationships that you actually want, rather than being driven to do something out of this grand fear. The last two things I would recommend is uh, uh, are to watch some movies and two two movies. Well, one is a movie, one is a play. Uh, but I'd encourage you to watch them if you if you find one. If you find the movie, it's probably easier. Uh, watch um, In and Out. It's a Kevin Klein movie from about a hundred years ago. Uh, it's uh, it, it is very funny. I think it's. Probably, I have not seen it in a long time. It probably does not stand up to the current PC standards, but I'd encourage you to watch it uh, as a documentary that this is ultimately your life. And deal with some of the anxiety that's going to come from it. Uh, secondly, if you haven't seen the play Falsettos, excuse me, the musical Falsettos, uh, go see it, go read the play, uh, go listen to some music. Uh, it's... Um, it's, uh, it may or may not be a documentary about your life, um, but I'd encourage you to listen to that and know that it's probably going to make you feel uncomfortable. Uh, you might like the music. Some of it is really good. Um, my weird memory is I took a girl to that in college and come to find out after the play that she really did not approve of gay folks. So, it did not go well. That was our first and last date. Um, so it's uh, it was a great play. Horrible, horrible date. 
So, Robert, I hope some of this was helpful. Uh, thank you so much for this question, um, and uh, and I do hope that you find some uh, 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 some help from this uh, along your recovery journey. All right, everyone, thank you so much for making it through this episode of the FearCast. If you have a question for a future episode, you can go over to fearcastpodcast.com. Go to the uh, submit a question link there, and um, you'll be able to ask your own question for a future episode. Remember, again, all these questions can remain anonymous. You don't have to use your real name if you're worried about that. And every question that you do submit, I will read and will consider for uh, for another episode. If you have any uh, questions or follow-up questions or want to add something uh, to the content of this uh, uh, this question I answered today, uh, you can also submit that there uh, through the website and just kind of let, let me know what uh, your thoughts were on it. Let me know what you'd add if you've had your uh, similar experience to this. Uh, I'd love to hear about it and I'd love to share uh, share it if you're comfortable with it on, uh, on an, another episode. So as always, remember the FearCast is not a substitute for psychotherapy. Uh, if you have questions about finding help or, or need a little bit of assistance in your own recovery, you can also go over to FearCastPodcast.com. You can go over to the Find Help link uh, there at FearCastPodcast.com and uh, I get connected with someone who is uh, knowledgeable and experienced with working with, uh, with anxiety. So as always, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously. Bye.